This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by GoGo's Bootcamp. Are you a real estate agent looking for the very best media training program on the planet? GoGo Bethke is considered the top Instagram realtor in the country, and her step-by-step training program will take your social media game to the next level. Keeping It Real listeners receive a special discount, so please visit gogopodcast.com. That's G-O-G-O podcast.com for your special discount. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with Jay Borgana from the Home Early Real Estate Group. Uh, Before we get to Jay, just a couple of quick reminders. First of all, if you haven't yet signed up for our email newsletter, you can do that right on our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com. Every time we publish a new episode, of course, we send an email announcing it just in case you're not regularly checking your podcast app. And of course, on the website, you can also stream every episode we've ever done right from your browser. Um, and also, please tell a friend. Think of one other agent that you know that could benefit from these uh, the, the show, these episodes of talking to top producers like Jay um, and asking them how they built their business so that you can hopefully fully replicate or, or even exceed their level of success. So please tell a friend, just think of one other agent, shoot them a link to our website, keepingitrealpod.com. Oh yeah, one more thing. Please follow us on Facebook. I'm asking for a lot in this episode. I apologize. But we do a lot of cool stuff on the, our Facebook page. Every single day we find an article that was written online and we post it there. Specifically, it was written to help agents grow their business. And so it's all good stuff. So again, facebook.com forward slash keepingitrealpod. And now, thank you for listening to all that. We love you having you as listeners and viewers. And now, on to our interview with Jay Borgana. Okay, today on the show, we have Jay Borgana from Homerly, Home Early First Team Real Estate in Orange County, California. Uh, Jay is a recovering management consultant turned business owner. He has had experience in banking, manufacturing, and management consulting, including years in China and Europe. Jay started the Home Early Real Estate Group, which grew from zero to 150 million in residential real estate sales in less than five years, subsequently acquired by the $5 billion first team real estate company. Jay loves building businesses, teams, and investing in growing or mature small and mid-sized businesses. Jay was born and raised in Morocco. He currently resides in Orange County uh, with his wife and his two children. He loves to spend time with his family, travel, and is passionate about engaging in the community, developing young entrepreneurs, mentoring local businesses, and volunteering with local nonprofits. Jay's life's purpose is healing ill businesses, thus creating opportunities for people to transform their lives. Everyone who is listening and watching, please visit Jay's website, which is homeearly.com. That's H-O-M-E-A-R-L-Y.com. Again, H-O-M-E-A-R-L-Y.com. I keep wanting to put a second E in there, Jay. I apologize. So homeearly with one E dot com. And by the way, if you're an agent in Southern California and you're looking to see what other firms offer, Take a look at home early. We're going to be talking about what they offer here shortly, but uh, they are they are a huge powerhouse in Southern California. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the warm intro. 
Oh, we're, we're excited to have you um, and would love to, we always start off our episodes really the same way. Maybe I should come up with a, a new strategy after all these years, but um, our agents always love to hear about how, you know, owners and top producers got into real estate. So if you don't mind telling us about that. Yeah, absolutely. I actually took the, uh, the longer route to real estate. I, uh, I grew up, I was born and grew up in Morocco. I, um, I worked for a French bank there and I worked in Europe as well for that same company. Uh, after about five years, I decided to come to the United States. I uh, worked for a mutual fund for about a year and I didn't like it very much. So I went into manufacturing because I love to travel. And uh, the company that I worked for did uh, production in China, sold to all the big retailers from Walmart to Target to linens and things and bed bed beyond and uh and i i loved doing i loved working with um manufacturing things and selling things and uh and uh and got involved in uh in the operation uh the, the manufacturing side of it and i spent about three years in china helping with that as well um right after the recession in 2007 i came back to to, to the us I uh, started working as a management consulting, uh, working in manufacturing, helping manufacturing companies and distribution companies um, go from uh, losing money to making money and fixing their operation, fixing their culture. And uh, it's fascinating as you travel across the world, you see that most people are all the same. We're all similar as much as you're interested in how we're curious about how different and how our stories are different. We're all the same and we're all, you know, desire the same things and hope for the same things, dream the same dreams. And, um, and, and, and I haven't traveled for about five years, hundred percent of the time. I kind of got old and got tired a little bit. So I decided to kind of take a year where I'm staying in one place and took a, a year off where uh, I started buying properties around the Long Beach area. And sure. at the time property, the real estate market was just coming up out of the deep um, of the recession around 2012 properties were still cheap. And I was buying condos, two bedroom condos, uh, a block from the beach for fifty thousand dollars and wow. yeah wow. something that sells for about 450 now and uh you know and um so i, I bought a few i fixed them up I, and i saw value uh go up and i got really excited about that and uh, i wanted to learn more so i said i'm going to go take get my license and join an office so i joined the century 21 office a local one and uh and I went fresh and, you know, as someone who doesn't know anything, ready to learn as a student. I, you know, I didn't bring my, you know, uh, years of, uh, not, you know, management skills, whatever. I was just like, I'm a lonely agent. I'm here to learn. <laughs> and, uh, and the uh, broker showed me where the phone book was. He showed me where the phone was. <laughs> sure. and where the, Start dialing. Where the, yeah. So where the page of scripts were. And, uh, and I hit it, you know, there were people wow. that were coming, uh, coming to the office once a week. I was there seven days. Uh, I was there from, um, eight in the morning till probably about 7 PM in the evening, you know? So, and, and I was, you know, I was hitting it hard, you know, just doing what they told me to do. And, uh, it's funny because the broker that I worked for did not like working with home buyers. So only focused on sellers. So we only had like two scripts, seller scripts. And uh, you either call Circle Prospect or you call an expireds, and uh, it gave you a hand, you know, a handful of objection handlers, and um, just do it. So after six months, I got my first transaction. It was a short sale. I didn't know anything about short sales, so I learned everything on on the job. I helped the family uh, through a really stressful situation, just because I really cared and I really wanted to help them. 
And essentially, that was the launch of um, my solo uh, real estate agent career. I did about 10 transactions my first year. And um, I moved into uh, the second. Uh, the, so I essentially went hard for about 18 months. And then, um, and then I kind of burned out in a way. And uh, what I did, essentially, I found a local uh, agent uh, in my office who I liked, who I trusted. And I hand them the phone and I hand them my transactions. And I told them, okay, I'm going to Paris for a month. You take care of it. By then, I had about, you know, 25. I was, I was on track to do about 30 transactions at that, that second year. Which is year. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That second year, I was on track to do 30. And then so essentially, I handed them my phone and I left for a month and a half. And then uh, when I came back, that was essentially the inspiration to start the team. And um, so year, year, halfway through year two, I recruited a couple of my friends uh, to work as buyer's agents. I hired a, uh, an operations person. I hired a, a marketing person. And uh, that year two, we did, I did 30. The year three, we did 90. Um, wow. year, year four, we did 180 transactions. Oh. And um, essentially, we started growing you know, year over year. And um, you know, about year, halfway through year five, or year four, um, or year four of the team, year five of the, my career, uh, we were approached by an independent, um, local independent. They were essentially um, looking to buy independent brokers, but we were, um, we were, we had our own. We were at the time we were at Keller Williams, and mm -hmm. we had our own mega office, and uh, we had our own brand, and we actually had sure. two offices. And uh, we were branded separately. So they saw the name. They thought we were kind of independent. They approached us. We started talking. And even though they found out we were a team and not a brokerage, they still pursued us. And sure. uh, we ended up closing. We started conversation in April. We closed in July. And, uh, and then so, yeah. And then we, we went on uh, to, to grow even more after that. Congratulations on that success. That is truly Thank remarkable. You. I've interviewed hundreds of, of top producers and very few of them that I've ever interviewed over all the years have had that kind of success as immediately as you did. So I am super curious to, to dive a little bit deeper to find out maybe what you did that you think contributed to that rapid, I mean, you weren't kidding, rapid growth is really your specialty. Um, and, 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 you know, first, I just find it so amazing that even in 2008, when you first started that, you know, it was still here's, and this is after the do not call list. This is, this is when cold calling was really, really, well, it still is really, really hard. You know, pre 2001, it was a lot easier because there was no do not call list. Um, yeah. And people were still a, a little bit more used to taking those kind of calls. But in, in the mid 2000s, boy, that is a rough way to start. But I bet it just builds such muscle because you, you, you're not afraid of anything if you're pounding the phone all day long. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, it builds instincts. Uh, it builds um, uh, uh, pattern recognition. I think that's the most uh, important part where you, uh, the more you talk to people, the more you start recognizing the different profiles of, uh, you know, sellers and buyers, um, you know, you understand their objections. You see that pattern. if you do it consistently enough, the profiles will start repeating themselves and then you will know what's um, what is the value that you can deliver to each unique different profile. And, uh, and I, uh, to me, that's the most valuable um, element. I don't need, like right now with my team members, I honestly sometimes don't even need to know uh, the story of a seller. I can see, I can get a lot of information from the phone number, from the email address, and from the city where they're in. And that's it. And I, and I know exactly the whole story, how it's going to go. <laughs> I can tell the conversation, how the conversation went with that seller.
Yeah, you see an AOL email address and yes. you you know a little bit about the demographic of, of that person, probably a yes. little older, yes. probably not as sophisticated technologically. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And I know exactly where they're going to be. And I mean, I just need the zip code, the, 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 the email and the phone number, and I know where they are and, and how, how that conversation, what value proposition we should go, you know, offer to be able to get their, 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 their business. That, that's, that's incredible. Um, you know, nobody, I don't think we've ever talked about pattern recognition on our show. And it really is, especially if, if you're not exclusively working with friends and family, which of course, pattern recognition probably isn't as important because, you know, uh, those are people who are going to work with you regardless. And, and, you know, you'll be able to take great care of them. But when you're dealing with somebody who you don't yet know, you, you really do have to very quickly be able to assess what does this person need? What are their motivations? What are their fears? And then how do I, how do I solve the, well, look, you're a consultant. So you're all about assessing and solving, right? Yes. And um, that is, uh, can you talk a little bit more? Because we, we talked about the shift from consulting to, to being a real estate agent. Um, but can we talk about how those skills maybe transitioned and help you, even though they're totally different industries? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. They're, they're, uh, they're completely uh, relevant because essentially at the, you know, in, in my consultant career, I've worked in a lot of different industries. Uh, I work in uh, plastic injection molding and I worked at a chicken farm. I worked a lettuce packing company in, a, you know, in uh, aerospace. Uh, so there are different uh, industries, but the patterns are the same. So the way I, I figured kind of like a, a formula that worked for me across all industries. And the formula goes like this. Um, find out who the intended client or consumer of that service is. Find out what their expectation is. What is it that they want? So I, actually, the first thing that I do, I go and talk to maybe the Walmart buyers or the sure. uh, Boeing or whatever. I talk to the, per the, per the purchasing manager and I say, okay, what is it that you want? You know, so I want this product. I want, uh, I want it on time. I want it with this spec. I want it this color. I want it this way. And these are the challenges that I'm having right now with the company you're working with. And I need this fixed. So these are the things that I want. These are the things that I need to fix. Fantastic. I have something to to kind of go for, to aim for. Then I go back to my operation and say, okay, let's figure out a process that's going to deliver this, no matter what. The key is no matter what, because it can right. be expensive to deliver. It can be not profitable to deliver it, but I just want to deliver it first, no matter what. And then, so I put a process in place that delivers that value, no matter what. And then I go back and look at that process and say, where can I take out cost? Where can I take out things that are still deliver that value, but it allows us to make money. And then, so now I, I laid out the process now, the next thing within the process, identify the roles or the job descriptions. So let me identify the job descriptions. And then once I identify the job descriptions, I identify the personality profile that fits within that job description. And then once I identify that, then I figure out what is the technology that I lay on top of that, that process and the people to be able to help them do their job faster, better, lower cost. And then once I have put the technology next, then the next thing after that is what accountability do I need to put in place? Supervision, or are the supervisors are going to make sure that the people and the technology are doing what they're supposed to do. And then the next layer is identifying what is the culture of this group so we can keep them together and we're not, we don't have this high turnover and that we have to teach people over and over and over what they do. So we got to have a culture that keep it sticky. 
And then what I'll do after I figure the culture, then I go back and I, I amp the challenge. So we started with this list of things. Okay, now we're going to do double that. Let's figure out how we do it. Right. Once, once we do that, then we go back and figure out, okay, who is the top leadership that needs to keep it all together? Who's going to understand the culture, understand the people, understand the, the technology, and, and deliver the value proposition to the, to the end consumer? Wow, you just said uh, a tremendous amount of of really how to grow really any business, quite honestly, um, not specifically just being a real estate agent or building a real estate brokerage or, or just even a team. Um, but um, what you really were talking about is systematizing this business. You're a systems guy. And in fact, uh, I have to I have to really compliment Jay because he didn't just, uh, he obviously just gave us a lot of great information about his process, but he went through the same process with me about a minute before we started because he said, okay, uh, tell me about the demographics of your listeners. He, he said the first thing was, what's the intended audience? What do they want? What do they need? And he said, okay, well, and he started thinking, thinking about how he could provide value to our show based on it. And he could, and I said, well, I don't really know that much about our demographics. And he was like, you need to know about your demographics. And he's absolutely right because he's right. We, in order for us to deliver the best product to, in this case, our listeners or our viewers, we need to know everything we can. He goes, you need to put out a survey and you need to find out about your listeners. And he's so absolutely right. So I, I might even hire you as a consultant <laughs> for our show, but, but, uh, but, but back to, back to real estate. Um, this is so important because so many agents right now, are either thinking I want to join a team. Um, I, I, I'm an independent person. I'm just working on my own. I'm a solo practitioner, and you know maybe there's value in in joining together with an existing team, or you know in your case building a team. Um, and can you talk a little bit about the role you think teams are playing these days in real estate? Um, yeah. You know, go ahead. That's a, that's a great question. That's that's a wonderful question. Um, so because teams kind of get this. Um, it's kind of like a vague uh, description, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. for, you know, husband and wife is a team, you know, right. one agent has a title rep and a lender, their team. So unfortunately it kind of gets diluted. But uh, to me, the, the main value, um, so let me go back historically. Historically, sure. real estate brokers used to, be, uh, the, used to be in the real estate brokerage business, meaning they would have, uh, you know, education departments, they would have, coaching and their managers were actually kind of their coaches and their accountability, you know, um, uh, trainers, uh, accountability partners. The, uh, they would have a marketing department that will actually market to the community, you know, from through all different channels and do events and be close to the, you know, the business community, be close to the consumers and to, to kind of like, you know, uh, make sure that the brand is, is, uh, has an impact on the community. And um, so these, uh, these companies were running like businesses, but I think over time with competition and with cost cutting, uh, companies tend to become now more of like a multi-level marketing kind of setup. Yeah. And unfortunately, we start losing, you know, we're losing a little bit of marketing, we're losing a little bit of the training, we're losing a little bit of the quality supervision or the quality accountability. Yeah. And, and so little by little, it started becoming like a, you know, uh, off the menu, like a la carte uh, yeah. kind of uh, in industry. So what teams do essentially kind of brought back the all-inclusive package. And, and when an agent comes through a team, they get it all, you know, in the, they get everything they need, they have to have, you know, because you don't, you know, you, you want, you have to have, 
good marketing. You have to have good training. You have to have good accountability. You have to have mentorship you know, in, in, in that accountability. You need to have a, a culture and an environment that allows you to succeed and thrive. And essentially, that's what teams deliver for those people which, who really want to do this as a career, as a, you know, I mean, obviously not everybody's in for this. So there, there, you know, I think half of the population of real estate agents do this part-time, you know, yeah. probably the other half, there's just want to do it as a side hustle, but there's a small percentage, maybe, maybe 10%, maybe 20% that do want to do it as, as a full-time career that's grow that's growing. And I think that's where teams come in place where they fill that gap. And especially on the accountability piece, because, uh, when a, a team leader is investing, you know, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on marketing and and on on things, uh, there's a there's a level of alignment of alignment in in their goals. You know, the the agent the, the team leader wants that thing to close same way as the uh, at the same intensity level as the agent uh, needs that thing to close. So there's an alignment. There's a success you know alignment between the team leader and the agent. Yeah, I think you're so right. And I believe that that you, you know, mentioning at the beginning of, of what you just said, how that so many brokerages are stepping a little bit further away from accountability, training, uh, marketing, and, and you're right, a lot of it's becoming more a la carte, uh, pay as you go, um, which, which, you know, I guess works for some agents for sure, who are more independent yeah. and maybe want to make their own decisions. But there's, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are new to the business and really want and need uh, accountability. They, they, they need, you know, a mentor, they need coaching. And, you know, I think that's where uh, so many of the people we've interviewed on the show over the years started out with a mentor or they were on a team and, and then maybe they left to go do their own thing later or build their own team. But um, that that just mentorship of somebody that's already walked the path and sort of says, here are all the mistakes I've made and, and here's patterns to help, you know, you grow and systems to grow your business faster um, is really lacking. It's really lacking in a lot of firms. Yeah, and you could see that obvious in the, you know, when you look at the average age demographic of the real estate agents, and then the same way, the average age of the brokers is very high in our industry, you know, I mean, yeah. in the 50s, you know, so I think 50 and then 55 for brokers. So what it says is that we're not attracting enough young people, and then we're not creating openings for them to access, uh, the, you know, to access the ability to succeed in our industry, Um quick enough and or easy enough so this is why you know we're not attracting the best talent you know the the most talented people uh and we should and i mean no one should be working as a bartender for 12 years right and there are a lot of young people that are super talented that are just wasting away you know serving drinks at bars when they could be helping clients and building a career becoming managers becoming you know um you know a lot of things within our industry so that's you know my little my little rant here. <laughs> no, it's 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 a it's a good rant. No, it's it's an it's yeah. an excellent rant, and I think it's right. And and I think it's it's right now too. It, we're in January. It's 2021, and you know we're seeing there's a light at the end of the tunnel for what we as a as a well the whole globe has been of course dealing with. Um, but it's also that time of the year where people reflect on 20 you know the new year and saying okay what what can I do differently. Um, and is it time to, to join a team? Is it time to look at a new firm? Um, you know, and how do I want to proceed with my business? Because it is, it is funny. Like at some point, um, you only have so many hours in the day. There's only so many dials you can make. Um, and, and as one person, 
you know, you will come up across um, a barrier at, at some point. There is a ceiling for that. And it's a very possibly lucrative ceiling. And you could be perfectly comfortable being a solo practitioner and making a certain amount of money that you're comfortable with. And, but you're now still also doing probably most all of all of the responsibilities, which as a business owner, and you're a business owner as well, of course, you know just how many of those hats uh, a real estate agent has to wear. And so I think having those those teams with those specific roles in place really helps just delineate out, you know, hey, I'm going to focus on what I like best or what I do best and, and then focus, uh, let the other team members uh, take over. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's definitely power in number. I do believe in the one plus one equal three. Um, it's so it's so powerful. And, you know, if we learn anything from this uh, COVID-19 uh, situation that anything can happen at any time, anywhere, and uh, you, you can build a career. You know, we got lucky in real estate this time because we were we kind of benefited from the fact that more people needed bigger homes and, you know, there's lack of inventory and there are more people demanding need housing. But it could have been a different type of recession or a different type of economic crisis that made it that our industry had a hard time. Maybe rates gone up 10 percent right. and, and it would be in a different situation. So people have to prepare for those things and have to uh, in, in we're living in, in, in multiple economic cycles are coming faster and faster. And so we have to be prepared for a down cycle and, and one way of preparing is being around, you know, uh, your own tr you know, tribe that, you know, support each other that can alleviate some of that risk. Yeah. And also technology comes in and changes the game as well. And, and I would have guessed 15 years ago when I was, I was a marketing uh, person in, in different industries, not real estate at all, but I would have guessed 15, maybe 20, maybe 20 to yeah, 15 to 20 years ago, I would have thought, oh, you know, in a few years, real estate agents just won't be necessary. Zillow was just coming on. Um, they were obviously disrupting the market and changing the way consumers uh, shop for properties. And I thought, oh, okay, well, the real estate agent just, it won't even be an industry in 10 years. And of course, it is still important because what technology hasn't yet solved for, and maybe they will one day, but they haven't yet, is how do you deal with the emotional side of, of the home buying and selling process, which is, has, you know, obviously we all know all of everyone who's listening, just how, how much fear, sadness, anger, the difficult feelings come up when people are going through transactions and, and technology hasn't yet solved that. And hopefully, um, hopefully won't, uh, anytime soon so that agents can still provide those, those, uh, those services. But, um, it's really, I think also technology has also helped agents not have to deal with a lot of the busy work that you to be um, necessary. Uh, now they can focus on the human side of the transaction. Absolutely. Yeah. Technology kind of uh, allowed good agents to deliver their value at scale. And, and that's what essentially it's um, uh, helping speed up the process of elimination um, of like people who don't deliver value. And so the people who are delivering the most value are going to be able to do it at scale with technology. Uh, and people that don't are not going to be around that long. I think that's it created transparency and uh, and essentially allowed for um, uh, for us to kind of dig deeper and find new ways to service you know the the client. And also technology is changing the consumer be uh, consumer behavior. So as consumer behavior 
our value proposition changes, our value proposition changes. So we have to match. I love. I always love how um, you know how uh, Amazon thinks of this. You know, they think of they think of this. They're always competing for that client. The client always wants it cheaper, faster. Sure. You know, they want it for free yesterday. And so how can we kind of, we're always competing with that. The consumer can change his mind all the time. They don't, they don't owe us anything. You know, they used to like us to do certain things yesterday or last month or last year. They don't like that anymore. They want something else. And we have to adjust and adapt and react to that. And, and we have to deliver that value. So essentially technology also speeding up that process of change and creating you know, a little bit high, like a like a, a higher hurdle for people to be able to um, to succeed in our you know in our industry. In you know, it, people who are essentially paying attention, being intentional, focused on the client first, focused on the you know, focus on delivering value to the client. Like we talked about earlier, the, the first thing you focus on is the client. If you're focused on that, you're gonna find ways to deliver value, no matter what. And, and you're always going to be around uh, in, in an, uh, you're always going to succeed and you're going to be around in our business, in our industry. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And, and I hope so, because this are both of our industries. So we'll, we'll hope uh, that technology doesn't get too advanced to, to take, uh, take over the human side of it. And it doesn't appear that anyone has figured that out other than yeah. agents. And, and the way, and that's the, way I, the way I explain it to clients as well, like we, we get this question all the time from clients and we, we ask them, listen, um, if you uh, if if you're if you're about to invest ten thousand twenty thousand thirty thousand dollars in stocks, you know you're gonna get an app or you're gonna get a, a free account, Charles Schwab or whatever, and and you'll do your transactions there. But if you're gonna invest a million dollar inheritance, you're not gonna go and try right. you know do your investing on your own. You're gonna find a financial investor, a fiduciary, or someone that's gonna you know have your um, again, have a lot more knowledge, going to be able to give you tax advice or give you financial advice or give you legal advice or connect you with people with that, you know, good advice to be able to put a plan for you. And, and that's what we do. This a, a real estate transaction is a big transaction that doesn't happen that often in, in person's life. And there's a lot of uncertainty around it. Plus the fact that things change all the time. So even when the buyer has bought six years ago, it's not the same market that it is now. It's not the same you know, process that it is now. So uh, there are always going to be need for human beings to guide other human beings through this journey. Yeah. And, and the financial advisor example you gave is a good one because those are those um, th those uh, professionals typically also uh, earn a percentage, uh, in this case, assets under management. Um, but it's very similar in, in some ways. It, it's less transactional, I guess, to, to a real estate uh, sale. However, it's paid out very similarly. And you know, a good uh, money manager or, or some a financial advisor will be able to say, sure, you know, to, to, ma to manage your money, I'm going to charge you one, you know, 100 basis points or 1%. Um, but here's why it's worth paying me 1% because I do, I can do all of the, I have all the experience and knowledge that you don't have. And this is a lot of money and you probably want to make sure it's done correctly. So 1%, you know, seems pretty fair. Um, real estate agents also have to be able to, to, to answer that exact question is, can't I just sell my home? Can I list a home on my own? And yeah. the answer is, of course you can. And I know even when I went to, and I'm, I'm a, I'm an eight, I'm a broker and I went to sell my own property many years ago, I overvalued my own property and I knew better and nobody, I didn't have any checks and balances and nobody said, you know, 
I'm going to, you're too emotionally tied to this because I was going to lose money on it anyway. And I was still so upset that I was losing money that I I wanted to value it higher than it really was to minimize that loss and the pain. Uh, and, and you know what? I, I, I needed to lower the price and finally I did. But if I would have had a consultant or an agent actually probably would have been smarter to have someone else sell my home, uh, I would have got it and sold a lot faster um, because I needed that expertise. And, and so the public it obviously is 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 even less knowledgeable than than we are and uh, is still going to to need assistance and so i think you're right agents that can demonstrate and and provide value um you know that's why calling expired listings and for sale by owner um it still can work it's difficult it's certainly not the easiest way to grow a business but there's a lot of people out there who are trying to sell their homes by themselves and not having a lot of success yeah, absolutely. You know, I, one of the things that I tell, that's even harder on the buy side. One, one yeah. of the things that I tell my uh, my agents is whenever you travel in a new town, try to go shopping for homes. Spend, you know, do a couple hours where you're in that town. Try to look properties online and try to go through that process of like finding an agent and then go shop. You always learn so much from that process. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can go on, on any of the platforms, you can click on this, you see who calls you, who doesn't call you, yeah. you know, the per, how, what their conversation is like, what questions they're asking you, do they show up on time, do they show up late, do they dress properly or not, you, you could tell a lot, and then just from you starting to search for, like the information that you get from local agents is so rich, and it's so good that you, you would never, you would never buy something on your own, because you don't right. know, you know what I mean, there's so much right. knowledge uh, within these agents that, that, you know, so a lot of times our agents, because they're in, they're in the water all the time, they don't see the water. So they're in the market all the time. They don't even see their own value. And, uh, and they don't have like a way of kind of like communicating value to the consumer. So I, when they go, you know, maybe a state down to Las Vegas and they go around and they tour a prop tour a neighborhood with an agent and that agent gives them like everything about, you know, the, the development is happening, the, um, the uh, taxes, the history of the area, the demographics and all that stuff. There's like, oh my God, that's what I do. But now I'm hearing someone else do it for me. And I'm like, I find it so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even if, even just to learn what not to do, um, yeah. it's, it, you know, but, but, but more importantly also what to do. And there are mm -hmm. some great agents out there and, you know, you can always also, uh, but, but yeah, going through it as I was talking about this the other day with, with another agent on our show, and we were talking about how so much of the business is about alleviating client anxiety. Um, I, I know I'm in the process of closing on a home right now. I'm completely stressed out about it, even though it's all going to be fine. Everything's good. We're, we're pretty much set. We don't know exactly when the closing is going to be. So, so there's a little bit of fear of the unknown, but but really everything's in place. We're good. And I am still completely stressed. And this is the industry I'm in. And I should, I shouldn't be, but I am. And I thought, boy, I wonder what the average consumer would be going through in my scenario. And it's a very simple transaction. It's new to, it's a new development. So there's a little bit of a complication uh, there with when we can move in. But other than that, it's a really relatively normal transaction. Even I am completely stressed out. And I thought, oh boy, if agents really can realize that they're buyers and sellers, which good agents obviously know this, but are just going through an emotional roller coaster as they go through the transaction. Um, and they can, if they can solve for those issues, boy, they're, they're so incredibly valuable and, and it's worth, you know, the percentage that you're charging, um, you know, to the client. Yeah, absolutely. The best learning you have is to go through a transaction. So I tell the guys as well, it's like every two years you should buy a house just to remember how it is. 
go through the lending process, get you pre-approved, you know, lender sends you a list of documents every two days, you know, and then just yeah. go through that frustration. And uh, that will give you a lot of empathy for buyers and sellers, and it'll, it'll make you a better agent. I just, and you're so right. And I, I'm telling all of our listeners, I, I'm I'm supposed to be closing on the 15th. That's not going to happen because I don't know why it's not going to happen. I just know that my attorney doesn't know when, the lender doesn't know when, the developer doesn't know when, and I'm not really asking a ton of questions, but I, I'm just, I'm a consumer at this point. And I'm yeah. like, wow, it is really complicated. And I, and boy, I wish I had an agent. I mean, obviously I'm an agent, but I wish I had somebody doing a lot of this for me because it is super confusing. I don't know what's going on. The lending part of it, that was the easy part. That's all solved for, but, but everything else, it, you're absolutely right. It's a great idea. I wanted to ask you here um, too, and just to switch gears for a moment, because yeah. you, you have scaled, you're, you're somebody who knows how to scale with the systems you put in place. Um, anyone who's listening and, and you started out, you know, really with zero, um, you know, you were pounding the phones and, and getting clients the hardest possible way. But um, but also, um, you, you were able to scale year to year and, and really a, an amazing numbers, even going from, you know, from four, four sales your first year, uh, all the way to 90 sales within a, within a few years from there. Um, what, if, what advice do you have for even if it's just a solo practitioner, somebody who wants to not 10x their business, because of course, uh, we, we know that's been a huge buzzword for a long time, but even just two X, I just want to double my production uh, over the next year. Um, do you have any suggestions about what they can start to do to think about what it would take to get to that level? Yeah. And I mean, it's identifying first, identifying what you're good at. What is the best yeah. thing you can do? Obviously, in the beginning, you try everything and then, yeah. you know, you know, and you try everything at scale like you do a lot of activities. So earlier we were talking about, you know, uh, pattern recognition when you make a lot of calls. When you do 500 call dials a day for yeah. seven days, you know, over, you know, a year and a half, it's a big sample size for you to kind of recognize what works and what doesn't. And sometimes you might spend a lot of time on one thing and it doesn't give you the most results, but it's going to open up other things that are going to allow you to find out what, What's going to work for you? So whenever you recognize that these two things work for me, whether, whether it is circle prospecting or expireds or um, door knocking or uh, open houses or Zillow or Realtor.com, I, I don't like, I wouldn't recommend someone brand new to invest in, in online leads unless uh, it's not, it, it, they need to know how to convert offline leads first and then go invest, you know, so they can get a higher return on investment. But if you're once you kind of like figure out figure out what you're good at, then you're you go all in on that one or two things, and and then you could uh, part of what you have to do you have to think of like an owner, like a business owner. You don't want to yeah. think as like a a solo you know practitioner because solo right. practitioner is just a self-employed person. It's like you're it's almost like you're an employee to yourself. Right. You're so right. there's a big, you know, people think that they're working for themselves. It gives them freedom. It doesn't. It's actually, actually the opposite. So it doesn't give you any freedom at all. So, so you want to think as a, as a startup, as a, you know, as a small business, and then every, you know, your goal is to increase your income as quickly as possible. And then, uh, invest part of that income into growing the business. Don't spend it. Don't go get the new car. Don't get, get, you know, get the new Peloton, go invest that money into your business 
and um, and and grow, help help it grow, give it a little bit more fuel. That way, you can uh, you can create more opportunity that you can handle yourself. So you can you have uh, you have opportunity to bring other people into, you know, if you and then the the one of the things that a lot of people make a mistake because there are a lot of people that are, that were successful that there are successful and uh, that were successful maybe 15 20 years ago and they're still successful now but they were not able to make that transition from a solo practitioner self-employed yeah. to owning a business and having a, you know having a scalable business and they essentially you know gave themselves a ceiling and the problem was is that they try to maximize for their uh, uh, their profitability to their to their pocket to what what what's the disposable income? How much this call it seller disposable income? What is how much money can I take out of the business? And when they maximize for that, that means they're not investing in the business. So they're almost sucking the energy out of this tree that's supposed right. to grow. And so instead of like taking too much, take as little as possible and reinvest back into the business to allow it to grow. Because it, you know, if you're, you know, if, 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 if you, even if you do a million dollars in GCI and you're spending, you know, 900, that's not much left for you to right. run that business or to grow that business. And that business is not going to go that far. So, and, and, and for someone who just started and the numbers are pretty much the same, uh, it just have to, you know, you have to adjust, don't, don't grow your expenses as your income grows, keep right. your expenses low, grow your income, reinvest back in, reinvest back in, reinvest back in. And your goal is to create opportunity for other people to come into so they can help you build it out. Well, boy, I think uh, I think you just said it all. Um, I think those that's really really great suggestion. In, in the last um, uh, the last section, I really want to talk about is Home Early. Uh, tell us a little bit about the company. And um, I know you guys are in Southern California. You service you know a huge area. Uh, you have lots and lots of agents. Can you talk a little bit about why agents jo join Home Early? What you guys provide and what you offer? Yeah. Um, so we cover about three counties in Southern California, Orange County, LA County, and uh, Riverside County. Uh, agents join us because of what we talked about opportunity. So we, uh, we've we created um, you know, an embarrassment of riches in terms of leads and in terms of uh, referrals and in terms of uh, uh, strategic relationships that we have with you know banks and investors and stuff that send us these uh, opportunities for our agents to convert. So we just have too many opportunities and we have agents coming to us. And the other, the other, uh, uh, the other side of it is our culture. And um, our culture is based on two elements, uh, growth and contribution. So uh, we're always seeking people that are growth focused, that are learning based, that are not here to make a quick buck, but here to grow, to become a different person, to become that person that, you know, th their potential, to meet their potential. And so we're very focused on personal development. We're very focused on team development. We're very focused on uh, sharpening our mastery of our skills. We're very focused on, um, you know, understanding the market, understanding the economy, understanding uh, the, the consumer behavior, understanding the psychology, uh, delivering because the more we the more we deepen our knowledge and our growth, the more we can deliver better value to the consumer, and um, and then we can we can generate that um, you know that wow factor and we can generate that returning client over and over, and then um, and then contribution and then growth in terms of financials. So we want them to grow financially year over year to reinvest in themselves, re, you know, buy property, buy, you know, assets and, and, and create opportunity for their family, create opportunity for other people. 
And then the contribution piece, which is essentially giving back, you know, um, giving back to the team, giving back to their families, giving back to people close to them, and then giving back to the community in general, where we do a lot of, uh, we participate in a lot of uh, charitable events, we raise money, we go build houses, we do a lot of stuff for within the community, um, you know, and, and for us, it's just about people growing to a higher level and then throwing the rope to someone else and helping them grow back up. That's essentially it, it's grow, rise up and then throw a rope to someone else. And, and essentially that culture uh, is ingrained within our team and uh, it seems to attract a lot of people. Well, and, and we'd like to attract even more people to, to your firm. So any of our listeners or viewers who are in the Southern California area and are interested in seeing what you know other firms are offering, this is the time of year to do it when typically business is a little slower. Um, and we'd encourage you to check out Home Early. Uh, what's the best way that an agent should reach out to you if they're interested in exploring uh, what, what you guys provide? Yeah, we have a, a joinhomeearly.com page set up. Uh, it's an easiest way. My phone is probably uh, showing on the screen. You can call me as well, text me. Uh, but yeah, and I mean, our website, our social media, we're, we're available. It's home early with Wenny. That's it. I think if, even if you make a mistake and you put home early, it'll show up. And, um, and, sorry about, and, um, and yeah, and we're happy to, 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 to chat. And it's also a good thing too, because they are, what, what, what Jay has really done is if you look at the homeearly.com website and join homeearly.com, they are branded very specifically. A lot of time and thought went into branding. It is very different from how 99% of firms are out there either recruiting agents or just projecting an, an image to consumers as well. So I want you, I want everyone listening and watching, even if you're not interested in joining enough room, take a look at these two websites because so much it was, they're very intentionally built where most realtor websites, whether they're consumer focused or they're recruiting focused really are kind of built the same way and they all look about the same. Uh, Jay's websites really don't. And you can see what the kind of person he's looking to attract. There, there's a culture of fun that, that is very evident there and it's bright and fun and exciting and very different from what, what uh, most real estate websites look like. So go to homeearly.com, again, homeearly with one E. And also if you're interested in looking at to see what his firm offers as a uh, as an agent, go to Join Home Early again, also with one E, joinhomeearly.com. Jay, thank you so much for being on our show. Uh, you've given us so much incredible value uh, during this hour here. So I greatly appreciate uh, your time and, and energy. And I want to thank, thank you for uh, having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I want to um, I want to also remind everyone who's listening or watching, if you want to help our show continue to thrive and grow, you we ask you to do just two quick things for us. One, tell a friend, think of one other real estate professional that could benefit from having heard this great interview with Jay and send them a link to our show. Uh, easiest way to do that, send them to our, our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com. We have every episode we've ever done. They can stream it right there from their browser, or if they're a podcast person, have them pull up a podcast app, look for Keeping It Real, and they'll find us. The other thing is to please follow us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash keepingitrealpod. Every single day, we find an article online that's written specifically designed to help agents grow their business. And we post that there. And we also post all of our interviews live. So you don't have to wait for us to produce them as we're recording them. We broadcast those on Facebook. So again, facebook.com forward slash keeping it real pod. Jay, thanks once again. This was wonderful. On behalf of the audience, we thank you for your time, all your wisdom. Uh, and also on behalf of Jay and myself, we want to thank the audience for continuing to support our show. And uh, we will see everyone on the next episode. Jay, thank you so much. 
Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Oh, <laughs>